Hello everyone, and uh, welcome back to episode number five of the Substitute Podcast. And today I'm joined by Birdkeeper Toby. How you doing, Toby? Hey man, I'm good. How you doing? All right? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Um, cool. It'll be nice I to have... I love the name. Thank Sorry. you. Oh, I'm, Sorry. Oh, I'm immediately a bad guest and interrupting. Uh, no, I love your name, Substitute Podcast. That's great. Yeah, I just it kind of came to me. Cause I, yeah. Basically, I was going to have the tagline that it's the podcast to listen to when you've got nothing else to listen to. Ah, um, that makes sense. I never rolled with that, but I might do in the future. It's just a bit no, long. No, it works. I like it. A bit long as a tagline. Yeah. But, um, well, but it's yeah. just substitute podcast when you've got nothing better to listen to. That's yeah. it. I'll make. I'll get some. Get some t-shirts made. Yeah. But yeah. It's it's a it's nice to have a, a conversation on. That's recorded because we we talk about this kind of stuff a lot. Well. Yeah. You know. Yeah, well, do you know what? And you're one of my favorite people to kind of like. I feel like you have a presence about you when it comes to Pokemon cards where I know that if I ask you questions, it's coming. Your answers aren't going to be like an overinflated kind of like, oh, yeah, definitely, definitely buy it, super hype, get, let's just buy all the Pokemon cards. Like, I think you've got a very uh, kind of reasoned presence about you which i've always appreciated so i'm just like oh i just want to talk to you about pokemon cards a bunch because i feel like we're gonna we're gonna learn some things i'm gonna learn some things you know well you know i try my best yeah i feel like it comes a lot with um i guess a lot with i don't want to say age because i'm not that old but like it comes a little bit with with like i've seen a lot of i've seen pokemon come and go Sure. So, like, how I've, long have you been? How long have you been in kind of in the in the space? So, I've I've been in and out for about six or seven years. Sure. Um, so I've I've seen like it dip and it rise and interest in it go up and down. Um, I've not been like as active as I am now before. Um, but I got like pro- a little bit back into it in like 2014, and then like properly back in in 2019 with a little mm. bit of dabbled a little bit in between it's um yeah just like I've, I've seen the i saw the 2016 hype i saw pokemon go be like the biggest thing in the world um, but yeah but in the same way nothing nothing has happened like last year and i don't think no it's i don't been, think that's, you, yeah it, it, it's really weird because there was like obviously pokemania in the 1990s 2000s and then there was like this, you know, Twitch plays Pokemon in like 20, what was that, 2014 or 2015? It was like Twitch plays Pokemon and it was like, oh, yeah, Pokemon. And, you know, so the head started turning and that was fun for a week. And then Pokemon Go was like a thing for like a month or so. It was just like, I mean, it's still huge, but like it really took the attention of the world again. And then then 20 you know 2020 everything that happened with with the cards and logan paul and the lockdown and it just again that became a whole year so by process of like um i guess it repeating i expect next time it'll be like a several year everyone turns ahead until eventually they've taken over the world i mean no one is better at marketing than pokemon right like they mm. they have the best marketing in in the world i would say debatably or must of any like kind of global franchise yes because they can literally sell anything and they have in the past um but speaking of their marketing obviously you more than most were invested in gen 4 remakes yeah 
I would say yeah. that you, you were their champion for a couple of years before they were even, you know, rumoured to be a thing. Um, so what do you, just basically blanket statement, what do you think about the, the Diamond Empire remakes coming and the Arceus game? <laughs> So, do you know what? It's really weird because the moment they got announced, everything flipped on its head for me where I went, now Legends Arceus, that's the game to be excited for. Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl, if they are effectively the same games, then I'll just play the... I mean, I'll play the new ones because they're coming out and it's a nice excuse and I've been purposefully not playing a Gen 4 game in a while so that it'll feel more fresh when I get to it. So Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl, I'll play, I'll play them, but then after that, it's like I'll probably just play the... The sprite games over the newer versions whereas with legends arceus what i'm looking for with that remake is uh is new content and legends arceus is all new content so for me yeah Sinnoh remake Sinnoh remakes let's go back to Sinnoh. mostly because i want the new stuff that they're gonna add in if i just wanted the old experience to play the old game so one for one remake not super exciting for me right now legends arceus oh this is something to look forward to for me yeah, no, I, I think I'm in I'm in the same boat. Like, I didn't play Diamond and Pearl, but I played Platinum. Um, <laughs> and I've been told that universally that Platinum is just a better version of the two. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I have, you know, I don't own the originals, so I'll probably get the remakes just to see what they're like. Um, I'm sure that adds something. Like, whenever they Pokemon do a remake, they add something, whether it's a post-game or, like, some sure. quality of life features or whatever. But usually they're kind of marketed differently, because, like, with... with... You know, Heart Gold Soul Silver, you know, that those first trailers, it's just like, oh yeah, your Pokemon are following you. They never did that in Gold and Silver. That's cool. So you like knew that from the get-go. And then with Auras, the first announcement was Primal Groudon and Primal Kyogre. And so we knew there was going to be new story elements, new content. There was going to be new stuff about it. This one, they've gone the opposite route with the marketing. They've said this is a faithful remake. Now, what we've seen in the trailer is we've seen characters who belong in Platinum, which sort of implies that actually it's going to be a faithful remake of Platinum, except instead of Giratina, it will be either Dialga or Palkia, and then maybe there'll be some kind of Platinum-focused po post-game or something. But as far as we know, it's just going to be on repeat. Now, I'm kind of hopeful for this idea that... In, in at some point towards the release, they go, oh, by the way, when you finish the game and get the national decks, you have access to every single Pokemon from all of the later generations as well. Because then for me, it, that suddenly makes it so much more exciting, the idea I could play through Sinnoh with Pokemon from Unova, Kalos, Alola, or Galar. That's super cool. We've never done that before. Yeah, I mean... You've discussed in a video, right, that you think that Dynamax is going to be in the game. Possibly, yeah. The, well, I think it's possible, yeah. Like, do you think? Do you think that would be enough of a like a shake-up to make it like so? When they did, when they remade um, Ruby and Sapphire in Alpha Omega and Omega yeah. Ruby, they added Mega Evolutions, and that was like a big shake-up of the of the mechanics of the game. Do you think that if they add Dynamax, it would it would make it different enough to make it like a different game, or do you think it would just make it slightly know. different? I don't think that that alone would make it exciting enough. I don't know. Because they'd, they'd have to add new Dynamax forms for sure. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. But, um... You know, there's a, thing with, there's a thing with Dynamax where um, 
with all of the new Galar Pokemon, when you look at like uh, like Scent Scorch is the one that really jumps to mind for me. The the Dynamax form is like this really cool thing about it. It's like okay, so we've got you know Sizzlepeed evolves into Scent Scorch. Scent Scorch can become you know G Max uh, or V Max or whatever it is. Scent Scorch and it becomes this huge like centipede and it's it's awesome. In future generations that don't have that mechanic, Sensor Scorch will just lose that. And it's like, with Charizard, that's not so bad because, well, it, these are these are gimmicks that are being added. But with all of the Galar Pokemon, like the Starters and, and Sensor Scorch and Corviknight and whoever else, these are like a core thing that you think about in relation to that Pokemon. They're basically, they're effectively losing an evolution, I think, which is kind of going to be weird going forward. Yeah, that that is kind of the thing, right? Like, Center Scorch has been pushed really heavily in the TCG. And mm. I feel like the thing that's been pushed most is that its VMAX is very cool. Same with, yes. um, same with like, Duraludon, for example. Like, Duraludon's not a particularly incredible Pokemon, but its, it's G-Max form is, oh, is yeah. really cool. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel like it would be odd of them to abandon, like, Gigantamax and Dynamax one game in. Mm. But I guess I mean, Mega Revolutions only lasted like what one game. Well, no, not because really, they they were obviously in X and Y, and then they were in Orath for the remakes, and that was one generation. But Mega Revolution was still in Sun and Moon and Ultra and Ultra Moon, and Mega Revolutions proved popular enough that it keeps on coming back into like it's in Pokemon Masters, it's now in Pokemon Go, um, and with the appearance of Gigantamax forms, there's like this like. Bring back Megas, bring back Megas. I kind of think that where it's going is down the line is that eventually Pokemon will have an ultimate form where it, you can evolve your Charizard and eat it into either X, Y, or Gigantamax. Or that the Gigantamax forms will just be smaller but become new Mega forms. That kind of thing. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Uh, but... Yeah, well, we've talked about Diamond and Pearl, but like you said, Arceus is is probably the thing that most people are excited about because it's just so different oh, yeah. to anything that we've seen before. My question is, when do you think it's set time-wise? So based on the little information we've got, so we know that the modern Pokeball was developed around 500 years ago. We know this because Magirna, according to its Pokedex entry, is made 500 years ago. Spiritomb was created when 108 angry spirits got bound together into the old Keystone around 500 years ago. And that process is very similar to the idea of taking the life force energy of Pokemon, infinity energy within the lore, um, and binding it into, into a Pokeball. So the modern Pokeball doesn't date back further than about 500 years. We know that it's set in... A, an sort of ancient Japan. So the idea that it would be any more than any sooner than a hundred years is ridiculous. So I think that narrows down our window to anywhere between a hundred and five hundred years ago. Um, I know there are different arguments about which time period it's based on. The one I hear the most is feudal Japan. I don't know if this is right, but that suggests anywhere between sort of two to four hundred years ago. So that window for me does make sense um i don't think we'll be meeting characters who exist as like like professor oak 
oh, when I was a boy, I was in the Sinnoh region, and you would have seen me there. Like, I think, every, you know, it's going to be different people, different communities. Um, you've also got to, like, they talk about Sinnoh being a big open wilderness. Sinnoh is filled with cities and towns. It takes a long time for those things to form. So I think, I think two to four hundred years ago sounds right for me. Yeah, I, I was thinking. So I, I think it's like it's supposed to be feudal Japan, um, but feudal mm. Japan's a little bit. Well, I mean, feudal Japan's like five hundred years of history. Sure, but like it starts at like a thousand years ago almost. Oh right, okay. And, and ends about five hundred years ago, four hundred years ago. Sure. So again, that's like obviously Pokemon don't have to be loyal to actual real life chronology no, sure. because there's there's just no need. Like they can do what they want. When you invent a world, you can make the timeline whatever you want it to be. Yeah, of um, course. But yeah, I, I think that's probably a, a, good, a wise shout. Think, I'm I sure at some point they'll Four hundred sounds right. Five hundred sounds possible as well. Um, you know the the odd keystone thing with Spiritomb. Spiritomb is such a Sinnoh focused Pokemon, and this idea of a hundred and eight spirits. Uh, there's been kind of rumors and whispers and talks about maybe there being creatures in this game that are not Pokemon. And if that ties in, 500 years sounds sounds right, sounds good. Especially, you know, we've got these very early Pokeballs that are like predate the, the one that Professor Oak has as a kid in the in the movie. Um, in the fourth movie. So I think, yeah, I think any anywhere between two to two to five hundred years is is like right. Yeah, I'd, I'd I'd say yeah, it's good. Do you do you think? I'm not sure if they've already said it, but do you think it will be like creating the first Pokedex as part of your journey? Yes, and there's a little theory that the 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 like maybe the professor is like Cyrus, who's gone back in time at the end of Diamond and Pearl, and that um your it, the the pokedex exists as this sort of like bootstrap paradox that it exists because it exists in the future um which i think would be very cool so yeah yeah i i would say we we don't know very much about it at this point i'm sure they'll release more nearer the time but um yeah when is it is, is it january next year comes out no it's uh, i think they say early next year but i don't know oh that could be anywhere up to like sort of that could be anywhere up to midway through the year and i honestly like i hope it's delayed i hope i mean i hope i don't hope it's delayed i hope it's a good quality product i i really need that game to be good for me um so yeah i uh i know i just hope it's a it's a good game well talking about gen 4 and <laughs> things that we want to be good. I hear you've been searching for uh, for shinies for your collection. And that was a, a very a very loose... That was an interesting segue. No, it's a very loose segue, but I will pull it back, don't worry. Okay, alright, so, okay, yeah. So, so Gen 4 obviously is next. Eventually, Gen 5 will come around. And I've been hearing that you've been having some trouble finding the Gen 5 shiny Pokemon. Hey, there it is. Okay, do you know what? Actually, I'm, not, I'm down to the last two now. I've got the... Empoleon and the Gardevoir to go, which of course are going to be some of the more expensive and harder to get ones. Because um, that's it's actually a really cool Empoleon card. Um, but yeah, I, I decided to set out on a bit of a project. Um, basically, I think in 2019 at the 
October Comic Con, I had sort of said, or May to October, I started picking up shinies, and I was like, it would be really cool to have one of each of the original shining Pokemon. And just that, like, I don't care about the quality. I already had... I had the Magikarp and Celebi from when I was a kid, and I had the Mewtwo someone had traded me at an event, and the I picked up a Gyarados, a really bad condition Gyarados, off someone over, like, Gumtree or something. I was like, I want to get one of every of the original Shining Pokemon. Let's do it. So, started down that road, and at Comic-Cons, I picked them up, and I, I think I got my Raichu in a trade, and I got the Steelix and the the Tyranitar for, like, £40 each, and I traded in some cards, and this was, you know, even that that's, like, already huge. I think I paid £60, and I was like... <clears throat> Spending this much on cardboard, you know, they're not perfect condition, they're only okay condition, whatever. Um, the Shining Mew, I got the Japanese one at the con, I think I got that October 2019. Again, just trading and bartering and just trying to get the best price. Um, and then the Charizard was a Shining Charizard, I think it was about £200 and it was a PSA 7 and I was like, I'm just gonna do it. So this was obviously £200 now. For a shiny Charizard PSA 7, I think is very much under. Uh, I think you'd be very lucky to get it at that price. But back then, that was sort of the going rate. Um, and that's what I managed to negotiate with the guy. He was moving out of singles and moving into boxes. Very good time. Very smart play from him. Um, but uh, anyway, I, and then I had them. I had one of every shining Pokemon. And I thought, that's really cool. And then I went... Oh, also, last year when Shining Legends was coming out, I totally picked up one of each of the Shinings from that set. So I've got all the old Shinings and all the new Shinings. And hey, there's this Hidden Fate set. Uh, wouldn't it be cool if I got one of every, you know, and I wasn't going to do it, but then I pulled the Charizard and I thought, well, that's the hardest bit done. So then I got one of everything from Hidden Fates. And then I was like, well, let's have a look at where else Shinies appear in the TCG's history. And that just basically sent me down this huge path of like, these are the Gen 3 ones. These are the Gen 5 ones. You know, I knew about Gold Stars. Um, and actually, beginning of 2020, uh, I didn't have any Gold Star Pokemon cards. I didn't have any at all. And I thought, there's no way I'm going to be able to get these. Because we're at a point where retro cards are starting to sort of be noticed in a... Or it felt that they were starting to be noticed. The chances are they've been going up in price since day one. But I thought these gold stars, like, I can't afford, you know, a hundred pounds. In some cases, a hundred pounds per gold star, which again now is laughable. I wish I picked them up at that price, you know. Um, and the gold stars, I got a, I, I pulled a shiny Zacian, the gold one from Sword and Shield, which was the latest set at the time, and I traded that for a. I'm guessing like PSA 7 or 8 quality Gold Star Regirock, and I thought, Zashian, I've got many more years to try and get hold of it, but if I'm going to get this Regirock, I've got to do it now or never, because uh, they're going to get harder and harder and harder to get hold of, I thought, over time. Um, which turned out, I think, was the right thing. I bought a Gold Star Mew as well. Um, and then I just started going on the hunt, you know, eBay listings, trying to get good deals. Um... The purchases just got a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger. And I'm now at the point with the Gold Stars, actually, where I need the Registeel, the three Evolutions, well, the five e and, the, and the five Evolutions, um, which are going to be the hardest ones to get hold of. 
Um, but other than that, I've nearly got them all. And I'm building out this binder, and I've got about 14 cards left that I need that are the remaining 14 out of about 350 shiny Pokemon from across the card game's history. Um, and, uh, yeah, my hope is to kind of complete that binder as quickly and cheaply as possible. Um, and then I've done it. I've, you know, one of every shiny Pokemon. I think, um, I think what you said about the Registeel, the, the Registeel, yeah, is that, oh no, the Regirock, sorry. Yeah. Is that I think that's one of the byproducts that's happened of, that people sometimes don't appreciate of Pokemon being more popular is that obviously the prices have gone up and it's harder to buy sealed product. But it's also getting increasingly difficult to find singles from anything apart from Sword and Shield. And like obviously vintage ones have always been quite hard mm. to find. But like even XY singles now are getting increasingly hard to find, especially the like desirable Pokemon. Um, yes. You can see it for like the, the Lugia full art from Ancient Origins. That card was three, four pounds. I mean and then it rose to about ten and it was like stable at about that value for quite a while um it's like 80 90 pounds now and it's mm. just it's just not so much the price it's also that the amount of them listed on ebay and other sites is much lower because basically yeah. every everything now that's good gets graded and even yes even psa being closed hasn't stopped people buying things put them in putting them in like you know putting them in in sleeves in semi-rigids in top loaders and keeping them in like a grading pile that they won't yeah that they won't get rid of just... Yeah, you know, this is this isn't a weird time because you think so many people are buying and selling Pokemon cards, but then the like, how many of the what percentage of the world's cards are right now? Is it in California at the grading site? You know, ready to go. How many of them are in the post right now? Not, you know, and, and I'd imagine, and also a lot of cards, you know, you you go well. I want to keep that. I want to keep that card and you know once i've got it i don't want to let it go um a lot of people recognizing that pokemon cards is a long-term a long-term play and so you know these cards getting locked away put away for you know for later on to be to sl slowly be released back into the the world um yeah these singles are getting harder to get hold of and and what I felt with the gold stars is my feelings at the time were that shinings, everyone knew that shinings were special because they were the original. They were part of that Watsy era that everyone cared about. Um, this was during Pokemania. Most people will have known to put them aside, keep them in a binder. Oh, I know that I've got a shiny, you know, whatever. But the gold stars were maybe something more obscure that they were something that were just a little bit weird, a little bit quirky, that maybe people wouldn't have, you know, in a more general sense, wouldn't have recognized as like, oh, this is a special card. Oh, it's shiny. The Muse blue. I thought that was just because it's water type. Oh, the Gyarados is red. I thought it was because it's fire type, you know, whatever, that your more general collector might not have any idea about. And that these cards were the cards that are less likely to be identified by people as this is something special and are possibly out there sitting in bulk or possibly out there sitting in binders that have not been kind of like put to the side but also yeah i've lost my trail of thought <laughs> I guess, you know i just yeah. i just thought there was something that like they're a really special era of 
of shiny cards and I just thought I gotta get these now if I can if it's at all possible I've had great help from my community as well people on the on you know Instagram who are just like hey let's you know I, I can do you a trade and we can work it out and I always try and give them you know equal value if I if I can <laughs> but they're yeah yeah they've been good to me I think um I think yeah we're in a weird situation now where like anything high end gets graded because that's how you either you want to keep it or if you want to sell it you maximize your your margins by grading it'll mm-hmm. be interesting be interesting to see when PSA reopen like what what prices they'll be setting grading costs at because we might reach a stage where if it mm-hmm. costs say if they if they match Beckett for example and it ends up being like 35 pounds a card on their lowest service like people just won't want to grade and will will sell up all of the like mid-level stuff that they have but before they closed you grade everything that's of value and anything that's of really low value you sell to someone and then realistically if you buy a five pound single off ebay you're not really going to sell it you're either going to grade it or you're going to put it in a binder and keep it yeah so we we're reaching a point now where there's a a a serious like a serious lot like a lack of of mid-level singles that you can easily obtain and I've um, I I've been noticing on eBay that like it's just harder to find stuff than it used to be, especially mm-hmm. as I think it's coupled with the fact that people are opening a lot less product now, because a lot of people, myself included, have this mentality where you get openers remorse if you open anything, because you know there yes. might be there might be a chance you won't get it again. Like I'm yeah, I'm not... and, and I think also like you know there's that that notion of like i'll buy two boxes instead of one one to open and one to sell down the line to make the first box free you know and by down the line i'm not talking about tomorrow i'm talking about you know years down the line but yeah it's it's so, in, it's interesting yeah. to me that like people have this hard line against scalpers which is fair like if you if you buy something at retail that is not very See, to me, scalping is where you buy something at retail that's not widely available to everyone and then sell it to the people who want it at a higher price. It's yes. not It's not buying a widely available product and then trying to resell it at a higher price because realistically, in that situation, people have the option to not pay it. But I find it interesting that people have this attitude where scalping is, is wrong and frowned upon, but buying three cases of the the newest Pokemon set and then putting it in your cupboard for 10 years is something that's widely accepted as like a smart business decision where all you're doing is, is removing product from the market to capitalize later. And I, I yeah, I just I find it a bit, a bit strange. It's interesting. I think... Wholly on board with that. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Like, I, it is a smart business decision to buy something that's in demand or even something that's not in demand that you foresee being wanted in the future. And then I like, keeping a part yeah. of it. But, but especially like evolutions, for example, like people were hoarding evolutions for, for months and months and months. And then like, yeah, it, it paid off because it, it rocketed in price, but did it rocket in price because like it was organic interest or did it skyrocket in price because it was organic interest and everyone had three cases in their cupboard. 
because it was organic cases and everyone had three cases in their cupboard. Like Why would that boost the price up? Because people, basically, people are removing supply from the market. So if enough people remove oh, supply I see, from the market, I see. the people yeah, but who then want those it, people presumably sold at that time, right? But then, in that but... case, the value didn't go down, really. So, is this? I mean, obviously, it's all theoretical, right? Because I don't know how pe- how many people want to buy evolutions. Like, yeah, sure. It's, it's still popular now, and it brings me to a, a thing that I was actually going to mention earlier, but I totally forgot about. Is that Pokemon is in an interesting position where Pokemon is is very collectible, but it's not collectible in the same way that sports is, for example. With sports, the the highest end cards in sports are numbered, so we know how many there are. Right. We, okay. We we know that there's ten or or fifty or a hundred of this certain card, and it makes pricing versus like availability very simple to visualize. It's like there are ten. If there are ten of something it's more valuable than if there are 100 because there are 10 times less. Yes. But with Pokemon, like like you're saying with the gold stars, they were one every two booster boxes. But we don't know we how many no that idea like how we don't many know are yeah. There, yeah. there could be there could be, you know, some guy could be sitting on thousands of them like a while ago there was well, a guy. This is famously a case, right? Wasn't there a, with the Entei Raikou and Suicune specifically there was a a story about someone who had stolen um, somehow had got hold of like a really large portion of Raikou and Tei Gold Stars. And this is why they are the cheapest Gold Stars as far as I know the story to go, is that this person has just been sitting on them and is constantly selling them in sets of three or whatever. And has been doing it, but they were stolen or so- something like that. They were stolen off of the back of a van was the story. I don't quite know it, but um, there is a story out there that I've not really heard much about. Uh, I'd need to do more research into it about these cards getting... Yeah, there's loads of them. We got loads of them, but, like, shh, don't tell anyone. It's, you know, we want them to think that they're worth lots. Um, but that's the, uh, that's, that's the advantage of grading Pokemon, right, is it gives you a tangible number. Yes. So... And the, the you can decide with a pop report, you know... Um, you can decide... You can use the pop report to sort of inform the the um your decision because i so i've got this altaria card that i love this cd song promo and it's a promo so the assumption is that there are quite a few of them out there but in terms of graded and in the pop report there are only five of them and there's there's five psa 10s um out there and i have one of them so i've got one fifth of that market i can assume there's probably a beckett pristine 10 out there somewhere i don't know for sure i could look it up um i can assume there's like one cgc or whatever if there's five psa psa is the most popular so it's probably going to be less than that even if we assume five from each of the companies you know we're talking about like what 20 25 copies of this card out there in immaculate condition is basically the consensus and we can use that to work out okay, now what is the card and is it exciting or is it just kind of like my my PSA 9 Starmie from Expedition that's non-hollow that there's only one of in a PSA 9? Like, yeah, sure, there's only one of it, but Starmie, it's non-hollow. Do we care? I don't know. Shiny Altaria CD promo is kind of interesting. We didn't get that in the UK, but Starmie, yeah, it's fine. It may as well not be in the case. It's just what makes Pokemon so exciting to collect, in my opinion, is that you don't 
like you can look at a pop report and you know you can see that there's however many but one we don't know how many there are at psa currently mm-hmm. i mean i think it's fair to say that with like with your altaria cd promo there aren't that many like yes if, if they've I only think... graded five in five years it's unlikely that 150 of them are going to be sitting in the grading pile at psa yes and the only one that I saw come back via PSA was one of the ones where it was because it comes in a little. So apparently the card's quite hard to grade because of how it's kept, but the the other grading service you can get at PSA is like if it's in a wrapper, they'll grade the wrapper and they it, it's not indicative of the quality of the card. Do you know what I'm on about? Where they've got the yeah, we get the the cello pack grade. Right, and you get the the graders for the pack, and so I saw one of those come back, and you know it got a ten, but I'm like, yeah, but the card inside is probably not a ten. It's just it's just the wrappers of the surface is up there, you know. It's it's an interesting way of grading. I find like I know that that's designed for for like mm. you know actual packs, but like I find it funny that you can send off a sealed thing to PSA, and they're like the card inside could be literally in half, but if the cello is, yeah. is fine, then. You know what? What I love about Pokemon card and, and the Pokemon cards and the the economy of it all is that ev- there's it's it's got all these little micro economies within it. You know, it's got these little microcosms. If I'm using the words right, of you you can't just go and, and this is something I've really struggled to articulate to people who are outside the sphere who are just like. Well, surely whatever base set Charizard first edition Shadowless is going for, if that goes up, Pokemon cards go up, and if that goes down, Pokemon cards go down. And it's like, n- no, that's not, that's not like a hundred percent right. It is partially true, I think. Charizard very much leads the pack, but there's so many different little microcosms of you know right now we're going through a little bit of a dip i think there's certain a lot of product is is product and cards are are seeing a reduction in value but there are some cards that are holding just fine there's some cards that uh i you know i imagine growing right now because people are now making assessment assessments and judgments saying okay well if all of these cards that were really popular and known about were able to reach this kind of price. Well, what about these cards that no one's really speaking about that are from this set or that set or this promo or graded in this way? Um, You know, where do they fit within the picture? And it's just, there's so many cards now, so many different variations of each card, so many different promotional events and little bits of history so many different ways to collect, you know? Um, we I see, like, Primal Lugia on Instagram, and he has all Lugia cards, and it's, like, r- people who are, like, going for binders of, like, four of each Lugia card, and I'm like, why would you ever want more than one of a card? <laughs> yeah, it's just my point of view, right? You know, I've got my shiny collection, but I've also got my collection of arts that I really want, regardless of quality. Um, there's, there's, you know, I, I've sort of stopped caring about language on the card now. I, you know, I think I'm collecting for the art, so I've sort of, I'm just like, you know what, I don't care if the card's in Italian or Japanese or whatever, I'm, I'm going to pick it up. Um, which is a great way to save money, because a lot of those cards are cheaper. Um, there, there's just so many different microcosms of what people care about, what is out there, um, 
that there's as long as people are interested in Pokemon, which we said at the beginning, you know, Pokemon is the biggest grossing media franchise. They know how to market. They will continue releasing new products year after year that will continue to tantalize and hypnotize us all to spending more money. As long as people are interested in Pokemon and new kids are growing up interested in Pokemon, which they are, how many of them are watching Logan Paul last year? You know, when all push comes to shove, there's just going to be this really healthy economy of trading. And it is a trading card game. And it's just when you get to a certain age, trading involves money. Um, and it's just going to keep going forever, in my opinion. Yeah, I can't, I can't see that. I mean, Pokemon, the Pokemon economy is just too big to fail as a whole. Like, I don't ever see there being a point in history where Pokemon cards are completely irrelevant and no, and have zero value. Yes. Um, but, I mean, obviously, Pokemon is, is, is the main focus, but you also have got quite into Yu-Gi-Oh, from what I understand. I like my Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah, I like my Yu-Gi-Oh. Just on that last point, I was going to say, yeah, you know, aside from, like, famine or war... And then I was like, actually, no, the last year <laughs> is proof that during times of hardship, we're like, no, we want something to entertain us. Um, yeah, no, Yu-Gi-Oh! has been um, uh, a secondary love of mine throughout my life. I call it a kind of quite an unhealthy relationship um, that I have with the game because I love the franchise. I love the characters. I grew up with it. I adore some of the artworks and the cards. Uh, and every time I go, I'm going to give it a go. I'm going to get back into it. I'll build a deck. I'll learn the latest rules. Um, and I realize that I hate the game <laughs> completely. I hate the game. So nowadays, my, my relationship to it is more as a uh, a collector. Yeah, no, I, I used to collect it. And I played a little bit when I was a kid. And, like, the rules then, and, like, well, not the rules. The rules are the same. But, like, the, the play style then was a lot more simple yes. than it is now. Like, it's it's so complex now. Yeah, and maybe it's not, and maybe I'm just you know because I don't understand any of the mechanics that are it's going on. Just but like... boring. I I'm bored of watching my opponents play for five minutes, you know, and we go, oh well, you run a hand trap. I'm like, what the hell is a hand trap? Well, it, it's a card that you can play from your hand in your opponent's turn. Oh right, okay. Oh, here are all the new hand traps. They each have three different effects in which you can reply to your opponent in three different scenarios during their turn to stop them getting off their combos and then it's your and it's just this this Yu-Gi-Oh is the franchise where I think power creep ha has been the worst um you know at its, at its core 40 cards in a deck 40 to 60 cards in a deck 40 cards is great because you get consistency they introduced pendulums which could be and I said that really weirdly pendulums which could be used as either a monster or a spell card so suddenly your 40 card deck is actually, if 20 of them are pendulums, it's actually a 60 card deck that your card is now worth two cards. It can be played in either either variation. Um, and, you know, now we've got this, this toolbox, which is the extra deck. Fine, we've always had that, but the cards in it become easier and easier to access because they want to make the new mechanic more powerful than the last mechanic. So, Synchro Monsters, you've got to have a level 2 and a level 4 to make a level 6. Well, now you've just got to have any old two level 2s to make a rank 2. Well, now you've just got to have any two effect monsters to make a link. And it's... It, it's We're now playing from our hands. It's accelerated to just such a... 
ridiculous point, the game is completely unrecognisable to what it used to be. Uh, sorry, rant over. I just hate it. No, it's, I honestly, like, I I did a little delve into, like, the, what, the, what decks are playing, are being played these days, and I, it just looks so just complicated mm. and just so unnecessarily complicated. I feel like... Yeah. The reason I like Yu-Gi-Oh is because the cards are cool. I I didn't I yeah. played a little bit, but like yeah, back when I was a kid, it was when it first came out, so it was nice and simple. It was like the about about the most complicated you got is that you had to you know you have to basically discard one thing to play another, and that was that was basically yes. it. Yeah, and I could you know I could understand that because that makes sense. It's like you know sacrifice one monster to summon another, uh, but yeah, now with the whole like I I've watched a bit of people playing it on YouTube and it's just I don't have no idea. <laughs> but you know Pokemon to a certain extent also has become a lot more complex in the in the recent years. Um and I've managed to keep up with that, but I feel like it's because the same the mechanics are generally the same. Pokemon doesn't suffer the same way because of the rotation, right? Um yeah. you know, with the rotation right now it's actually quite complex in that you've got GXs, tag team GXs, Vs, Vmaxes, and you know maybe some new card type coming up on the horizon, and they're all intermingling. But what the next, you know, because they simplify every generation, Sword and Shield, base set Sword and Shield, is just that, it's a base set. There's very few complicated cards in it. The, you know, there's V and Vmax, and then the cards in that set only interact with V and V Max, what will happen is when the next rotation hits in August, everything will start there. G uh, GX and Tag Team GX are out. They're gone. We don't need to think about that rule set anymore. We're just starting. We've got our Pokemon, Pokemon V, Pokemon V Max. And it will be like that for another set or two. We've now got Battle Styles, you know, Rapid and Single Strike coming in. Um, there may be a new card type that comes out. And then the next rotation will be a more advanced format where it's mingling that stuff with whatever comes next. And then the format after that, it will simplify itself again and just remove half of the mechanics. Um, and then fundamentally the cards in your pool are, okay, is this a card for, you know, uh, energy acceleration? Is it a card for scooping up um, your own cards so that they don't get killed? Is it a card for, you know, drawing? Is it a card for gusting your opponent's Pokemon out? Those ideas are pretty fundamental and standard throughout Pokemon. Um, and I think also the fact that you have to, you can only play one energy per turn unless a card states otherwise. And no card has ever really gone above, you know, attached two or three energies in a turn means that the card game has remain relatively consistent um and slow paced which is what i like it's about resources it's about managing your resources and doing it slowly Yu-Gi-Oh, any card from the game's history you can use at any time with you know the only restriction in a game is you can only normal summon once per turn but most cards allow for special summoning and are summoned by way of special summoning um, or circumvent that rule. So it's it's very rare that this rule, you know, whereas with Pokemon, you need energy to attack. You, you can't do it without them. It, again, very rare occasions. 
um in the in the game so i think pokemon is like i i, I prefer it as a card game because i think you can pretty much jump in at any point when a new season is starting and go okay let's build a new deck let's see what's running competitively good right now and it, it's going to play relatively similar to how the deck you played you know seasons ago went yeah it's going to be interesting the rotation in pokemon because like basically they're eliminating the top two decks that, that are played right now with the rotation yeah. because like adp's gone pika rom's gone as of as of August, so it's it's going to be interesting to see. Um, I because I, I I have a vague interest in like I don't really play anymore because um, I well one I can't play in person up until very recently, yeah. um, and two like playing online is is okay, but you need to constantly be like topping up with new sets like the code cards from the new sets and stuff. And um, I've not been opening enough product really to get to get sure. that much. Um, yeah, but back in back in like early sun and moon, I was playing quite a lot, um, and that was that was a, a fun time. I used to have a water deck, which was you say okay. that, you actually say about not being able to attach more than two or three energies. There was a swampert from Primal Clash that um, allowed you to like double up. So if you attach an energy, you could attach another one. Nice, and it, it got it got pretty strong. <laughs> but yeah. Um, it's gonna be yeah, it's gonna be interesting just seeing when it rotates that what 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 happens. I'm I'm looking for them to be my time back because I like I do want to play, but not being able to play in person has been huge. Um, and then there's sort of no point in me making a deck right now because you know obviously rotation is gonna knock stuff out, and you could go oh we'll make a deck that doesn't have any cards that are going to rotate out and it's like well sure but i don't know if it'll be good then so my plan is really to just wait for that rotation to hit in august have a look at the decks that are currently being run in tournaments and going do i fancy trying any of these i'm not necessarily going for the most powerful i'm going to go for the one that looks like it's maybe the the more fun one to to play um yeah and that's that's pretty much it um and there's still like even then like there's such a learning curve when new sets are introduced and we're like okay how are we combating this new threat and what are we adding to the deck and there's still such a learning curve just in terms of like okay the popular decks are adp pikarama you need to understand what those decks are doing and how they play so that you know how to counter them uh, and that's really the mark between someone like myself who's quite new and not great and then someone who is you know, played for years and and is just absolutely fantastic and is knows what you're planning. Yes, I I have a an immense respect for people like um as Tricky Jim and Joe from Omnipoke and the other guys at, at Omnipoke. Like how they have so much knowledge about the game is just unreal. Like they know so much, and they seem to know so much immediately as well. It's like they've they've played so much over the years that any new card comes out they're like well you can insert it into this deck it'll do this role yeah. it's crazy like they have so much so much knowledge and if if anyone listening wants to you know learn more about pokemon i would recommend i'd recommend those two there's plenty of other good ones as as well obviously um but yeah i think <laughs> carry on you said that i just wanted to ask you said you've not been opening much product lately what what are you buying What's what are you picking up in terms um, of Pokemon? So I've 
I had a few things that I wanted to complete. So the first thing I completed was a Steam Siege Master set. Yes. Because, because it's just it was just so cheap that it was just you know, I I although because it was in every product for three years, I opened mm-hmm. quite a lot of it just by the nature of that. So I I looked through my binder and I had both of the secret rares and like seven out of eight of the full arts. Right. Um, so I was like, well, I have the, you know, I have nine of the ten most expensive cards in the set. I might as well just see how much I've got. And I looked how much I got and I had about 70% of it complete. Um, I was just missing, mainly just missing reverse hollows. And I went and bought those for about 20p each. So I think in total the whole set cost me 50, 60 pounds to complete. That's awesome. So I was, just to me it was just kind of a no-brainer because it's like having a master set is something really cool and the only other sets I've completed are, are small ones. Like I completed the Detective Pikachu set, for example. Sure, yeah. Um, but that was only 18 cards. And, you know, if you open six or seven packs, you get most of them. Um, so, yeah, I did that. And then I've uh, collecting, I've actually finished now, pretty much all the ones that I can kind of afford the ancient trait cards, which are like the three quarter art cards from. Yeah, they were interesting. Yeah. Primal Clash. Uh, Roaring Skies and Ancient Origins. Um, so I recently I bought uh, a couple of the pre-release promos of that off of Matt Cully, um, his oh, website. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm missing I'm missing the staff ones, which I just don't think I'll get because they're just a bit expensive. Um, and the Gyarados pre-release promo, but again, that's about forty five fifty pounds that card, so it's a bit much. Sure. The whole the whole collection cost me less than that. So, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then it's just, and then apart from that, it's just one of every, one of every Growlithe card ever printed in English. Nice. Which I'm, I'm nice. getting, getting close to. I'm missing. I think I'm missing seven or eight of them. Uh, most of them are, like, um, Sky Ridge and Aquapolis Reverse Hollows. That's three of them. And they cost a lot. You know what? That's so nice. Though. I mean, you're talking about, you, you know, three again, very unique collections. I think that's the kind of thing that just like really defines the pokemon trading card game and where it's at is you know and it's the kind of thing that when these uh, when events start again and, and when we're all meeting up in person this is what we'll be doing oh you've got gold stars i know toby's looking for this oh great cool oh you've got growlis well i know mark's looking for this and everyone's just helping everyone accumulate cards and i mean the, the sort of the nice thing about this for people like you and me who are i assume in, intending to be playing Pokemon cards and trading with them for the rest of our lives is the, the, you know, the people who did just kind of come in, duck out and get a quick paycheck. Those cards will now be in circulation for us and more easily identifiable within collections or, or we'll know what the populations are. And I, I like it. I think it's good. I think that's the thing that the Pokemon has that, a lot of other things don't. It's like anything that's not tied to real world events. Like Pokemon is basically unaffected by the real world. And the only thing it's affected by is is the Pokemon company. So like you can you can like whichever Pokemon you want and it, it doesn't necessarily affect its monetary value. Like I you know with yeah. with sports for example, if you like a player and they're not very good, then they're pretty cheap. But like with, with Pokemon, with a few exceptions, most cards like if you want a if you want a card say if you want a card of a Charizard there's two in vivid voltage they're five pounds each 
Yeah, but you don't have to get the first edition or the shining or the gold stars like or everything. You know, I I think there's been a big sentiment from people who sort of go, oh, you know, I'll never complete this set or that set. It's just unachievable now. And if you were like getting in at the time it was all hyping it up, you know, I think that's a really horrible time to obviously have to start. And any time in this last year is a bad time to start. But if you're someone who's been collecting Pokemon cards for the last 20 years, it's like you've had 20 years. You know, you've had, you've had years and years and years and years and years to complete these sets and to do it. Um, you know, people will, I think, refer to, like, Vivid Voltage and go, oh, yeah, but I'm like, I'll never complete a full set of Vivid Voltage. And it's like, well, okay, maybe with that one set, because it happens to be the set that came out smack bang in the middle of everything, it might be difficult. That's if they don't reprint it, which they probably will, you know, um... That's like that's like a set that's going to be hard to get hold of, but but like Battle Styles is readily more available than Vivid Voltage was, um, you know, and the set before Vivid Voltage, Darkness Ablaze, perfectly. There's loads of it. It's everywhere, um, you know. The the sentiment of g- completing a set, it's like that's a really hardcore thing to do. That I don't think you were maybe or a lot of people were planning on doing anyway. And if you were planning on doing it and your plans to do it were of involving, you know, Watsy sets or whatever, you've had a really long time to do that in, you know. Um, so not, you know, not to sound like a bit of a downer and like, oh, well, you know, it's, uh, it's on you. But also, like, you can't expect and I don't expect that tomorrow I could go out and get, well, you know what? Now I think Shadowless Base Set First Edition cards are cool. Yeah, I should be able to get those at retail value. You know, like that—that's just wildly unrealistic. That's the—that's the um. It's like me getting into coin collecting tomorrow and going, I want every coin at the price that it's it was worth when it was in circulation. You know, it's like, well, but that's just not how these things work. I think. Um, uh, I think a lot of a lot of people would benefit from having like so the mindset i have is that i have like one big grand goal and then multiple achievable goals on the way yeah so my my big my big goal and end game is to own a psa 10 first edition shadowless growlith i feel like that's nice. you know, for my for my brand and for me like that is that is the end goal right like okay you, you cool. don't get better than that but on the way i have multiple things that i also like collecting like the you know, just having one of every Growlithe in any condition. Yeah. Like, all the Steam Siege things. Like, you, if you set yourself achievable goals, you're working towards things that you care about, but you're also inadvertently getting yourself closer to the to the end goal because you're growing your knowledge and you're growing your collection and you're just growing, like, your capital, basically, if you ever need to you're trade. Or... Your, your contacts, right? You know, like, the, the people that you're trading with. Um for me i've got so i've got three goals i've got the one of every shining pokemon which i'm only 18 cards away the problem is is some of those cards are ungodly expensive so we'll, you know we'll go through it in all there's micro goals within that which are like let's try and do all of the this part of the collection then this then this then this so on you know so shining pokemon that's one um one of every card art that I think looks really, really cool. And that's quite an ambitious goal as it is. I think there's about 80 cards that I'd love to get hold of. Some are quite expensive. Some are relatively cheap. 
Um, I don't really care about the condition on them. I'm not looking for the PSA. And then there's also this other one, which I've done recently, which is taking the best Pokemon I've ever had adventures with in the games and finding the card art that I think best represent those Pokemon. And what I want to do is I want to create like a little scrapbook with a number of these card arts in and why I've chosen that card art. And I'll talk about it on the channel. And, you know, like how the Pokemon on that card, when I look at it, I see that member of the team that I adventured with in Fire Red or an Emerald or, or you know, whatever. Um, again, really personal collection. Some of the cards, the most expensive card in there is going to be £100, and that's going to be uh, the Hypno from... I really want the Hypno from uh, Sky Ridge, I think it is, or Aquapolis, uh, the hollow one, Zeke and Dreams. Um, but then the cheapest cards in there are literally 20p, and most of the cards are more like 20p. Um, and... You know, that's a meaningful collection to me and that's exciting. Yeah, I, I think I think the attitude that people obviously you want the most expensive things because the reason they're expensive is because they're desired by lots of people. Like there's you know, yes. if, if Charizard from if the first edition Charizard people didn't want it, it wouldn't be worth I don't know, the last one sold for what, like nearly two hundred grand, something like that. It sold for very low, but that's it's neither here nor there. Sure. But um like there are there are multiple cards like I opened four packs of Battle Stars the other day. Like I got a Kingdra Hollow. It's like my favorite card in the whole set. Yeah, it's gorgeous. I know exactly the one you're talking about. It's a really cool card. I want it back. <laughs> I traded mine off. I want it back. But that that and the Entei Hollow are my two favorite cards in the set. It's like I the Urshifu is cool, don't get me wrong, but like I have no emotional attachment to Urshifu because it's it's mm. new. Like I really like Kingdra. Like my favorite card from Primal Clash is the Kingdra. Like the the hollow ancient trait one um yes which is currently which is currently at psa which i will hopefully see at some point this year hopefully um, i could do an entire podcast on just complaining about psa but there's no need i just i gotta wait my turn yeah but, that's it but it's they make it coming faster yeah they did apparently this week or last week complete entering everyone's cards that they have so that's that's progress at least that's huge, yeah. Yeah, they they said they wanted to get that done by the first of July, and so they're five not, weeks early. I might be wrong about this, but I've got. I feel like I'm due a return soon. <laughs> Just in that, like my first submission before I started doing monthly submissions was the end of August. So I think, I think they've started doing August, and they're they're into that now. So I I feel like it might not be too long before I get that first submission return, which would be so. Was that um was that a standard level one? Yes. Yeah, because I'm in July and they've been grading mine for a couple of weeks. So okay, hopefully, I mean, you know, in an ideal world, they would come back periodically from when we submitted them, right? So my I've I've did July, August, September, October, and November. So if I get one back every month for the next six months, that'll be great. Yeah, that'd be nice, but I don't know that they'll do that. Right, I feel like we've reached a point now where we should probably wrap it up. Yes, but, sure, but the, yeah. the last thing that I need to ask you is is the the recurring segment, which is Route One Hundred and One, which is okay. what's one thing in Pokemon or collectibles generally that you could easily live without. Ooh, ooh, I've never thought about that question. A thing in Pokemon, I mean, the thing in Pokemon I could live without is the uh, Elemental Monkeys. Um, from Gen 5, 
but in terms of collectibles um i don't know i there's a lot what can i live without There's a lot of people who will get excited about sets over individual cards and to me like they're the the what i could live without is is that level that kind of hype because i think sets are not in the long term sets are not about individual cards sets are about the stories that they tell both within the cards and also the time that they were released and where am I going with this? Like, I don't think... Like, Rebel Clash. Like, what's going on in Rebel Clash? Does anyone care? Like, what's what's the card we're going for in Rebel Clash? And what's the story of Rebel Clash? Does anyone have any idea? And I feel like... Vivid Voltage is basically just more of the same. There's a Pikachu in there. That's cool. All right. That's one card. Like, and I don't know. There was a lot of people I remember at the time who were just like, I'm going to get loads of vivid voltage and i'm gonna like keep it keep it sealed it's gonna be worth so much money down the line and i'm just like the only reason this set will ever be worth money is if they never reprint it and what they say is and it becomes known as like the pandemic set other than that it's just it's just an ordinary set with nothing that exciting about it like you know battle styles is way more exciting the stuff battle styles as a set tells such a unique story in the card art, in the in the new mechanic, in the uh, different secret rares with the alternate art, there's so much there. Chilling Rain is gonna be the Chilling Rain is gonna be off the, you know, off the chain. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's what I could live without. That kind of like hype around uh, sets in that way, but I don't know how to articulate that. Yeah, no, I I I get what you mean. Like, I feel like a lot now has been, well, I mean, Champions Path was the the example, right? Had two cards people loved the set it's, as a whole is terrible and people yes. people are now coming around to the fact that champion's path is an awful set if you don't pull the charizards which you never really do it's only there's only so many full art grap locks you can pull before you're like actually this is terrible this is all, i'm having a bad time yeah <laughs> well thanks thanks for joining me toby it's, it's been it's been oh, nice to chat having me, man. Thank you for having me. I'd love to come back some other time and we'll chat more about PSA, complain about them. I'm, I'm all for hearing your complaints. And, oh, you, yeah. <laughs> you're welcome back anytime. I just talk about PSA on a daily basis now. My girlfriend's getting a bit sick of it. <laughs> but if anyone doesn't know where they can find you, uh, where can they find you? The internet. <laughs> Anywhere on the internet. Just type in Berkey Potomi, you've got a good chance I'll show up. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> I have checked. Um, thank you everyone for listening it's, uh, it's been it's been lovely uh, there will be another episode next week uh, I won't reveal the guest but I probably will on Instagram so follow me there at Grady Growlitz and I will see you all very soon goodbye